four of our Good Life series. Uh, open up your Bible to Proverbs chapter 12 or 18. Uh, if you don't have a Bible, there's one under your seats. Uh, it will also be on the screen behind me. As you're doing that, I want to highlight two things. Uh, the first thing is uh, on June 7th, uh, we are hosting, I want to make sure I get my dates right. Uh, yes, June 7th is graduation Sunday. For those of you who are graduating here, there's a couple of you. Timmy, you wish you were. Uh, what I need from you is to shoot me a text saying, hey, I'm graduating. I'm representing class of 2K15. Uh, so that way I can make sure on June 7th we honor you. Uh, during our third service, we're going to have uh, just a moment in service where we celebrate. The church is going to clap, cheer, hoop, and holler. Uh, because you're worth it. Uh, and so we're going to do that during our main service uh, on June 7th. Uh, so shoot me a text so that way I have uh, that information. I'll give you the follow-up with an email or a text to let you know what needs to happen. Uh, if I get a text from someone who's not graduating, then you will be removed from any future graduation services. So uh, be honest because Jesus loves honest people. Uh, the second thing I want to mention real quick uh, is on the 14th of June, we are doing something we've never done before at the Grove Church. We are taking a Sunday service, all four of them, and doing what's called God Bless You. Uh, that's not what it's called, but I'm God Bless You. Uh, we are doing a thing called Student-Led Sunday. What this means is we are taking over main service on Sunday morning. It's going to be a party. We're going to have a lot of fun. We're going to show the adults exactly how to love Jesus. So um, what I need from you is there's a clipboard. Lucas, will you grab that clipboard? Don't drop the iPad. That's expensive, and I'll make you pay for it. Uh, we're recording this, so I won't really make you pay for it. I will. <laughs> Uh, just hand it, put it off right here in front of the guy in front of you. Um, so I just need you to do me a favor. If you are going to be here and want to help serve, we're going to take over everything. We're going to do uh, hosting. We're going to do ushering. We're going to do. Uh, we're going to bring some of the fun stuff that we do on a regular basis in our main service on Sunday. Uh, so just put your name and email and the best number to contact you by. Uh, because we're going to take over service, and we need all of us to make sure it happens. So uh, do me a favor. Kyle's going to lead with Jamie. Uh, they're going to be kind of, Kyle's going to be the point person. Jamie's going to be the background singer, so he's going to be like the, the doo-wop girl who does this. <laughs> just kidding. Uh, I'll teach him some dance moves instead of this, because that's just not cool. Um, he's still a cool guy. Uh, so we're going to do Student-Led Sunday on June 14th, all four of our services at 9, 10, 15, 11, and the 5 p.m. service. It's going to be incredible. It's going to be a lot of fun. Uh, and truthfully, I need some help uh, from you because uh, I get the honor, the pr privilege, and the stress of speaking four times on a Sunday. So uh, I need my peeps there so I feel like I'm actually just speaking to students. So if you'll help me out with that, that'd be awesome. Um, I just have a quick question for you. So as that thing passes, just go ahead and fill it out. Uh, how many friends do you guys have? If you were to count them, uh, how many could you say you had? Uh, because I look back at my life and I'm like, man, I'm so famous and popular as I look at Facebook. I don't know if you guys do Facebook anymore. I might be dating myself. That's okay. Uh, but I have 860 plus friends because I'm that famous and popular. So if you want to be my friend and you're not, you should because I'm really worth being friends with. Uh, right? Uh, some of you are just like, you're an idiot. That's okay. I'm older than you. I can get away with it. But I really want to ask a question. If you were to define, I have this many friends, how many would it really be? On your half sheet, there's a, there's a, a question that I want you to answer. We're not going to ask out loud what they would be, so you can write honestly. But if you were to write your top three 
friends. Some of you are like, I have 20 and I can't decide. Decide. If you were on your deathbed and you had to choose your top three friends, choose it right now. So I just want you to take a moment, write that down, what your top three friends would be, uh, because it's important for us to kind of think through the lens of friendship uh, and kind of think through this a little bit more. Uh, you know what I just realized? I misplaced my markers. Why'd you do that? I can't write without two markers. Wait, why do you need two? Um, I could prick my finger and use blood, but then it doesn't come off. Just kidding, that'd be painful. I would cry, and then you'd all laugh at me. So, as you write your top three friends, this is what I want you to begin thinking through, because I want to do a little bit of interaction real quick for a few moments. Uh, what makes them your top three? What qualities do they possess that makes them a good friend worth putting in the top three? Timmy's going to bring me back a marker, and we're just going to draw a line right down the center, and we're going to take a moment and write down all of the good things that you would define as a good friend. So until then, I'm just going to stall, uh, and I'm just going to um, ask Jamie to tell me his favorite joke. My favorite joke? Um, man, you put me on the spot. I'm writing down my name. Ask it, bro. Um, okay. Uh, a, a bass player, a drummer, and a singer all walk into a bar. Okay. And It hurt? I'll watch yeah, that's good. Put up. So, <laughs> Everyone's like, wait, what? That's not even a joke. No, okay, I got a good one. I got a good one. Okay. Uh, you really put me on the spot. Knock, knock. Orange. Just kidding. We're oh, not no, do that one. Here's my favorite joke that my wife absolutely hates, and I don't know why, because I think it's funny, because I laugh every time I say it, and she actually laughs every time I say it. Some of you have heard it, but you'll laugh when you hear it again, or you're just going to be mean and force yourself not to laugh because it's that stinking funny. Not really. My favorite joke literally is like, I walked into a bar and it hurt. That's it. <laughs> so you're just like, I don't get it. Guy walks into a bar, not a drinking bar, an actual bar. You got it. Oh. Changes your life, right? Okay. So let's do a little bit of, of, of show and tell, if you will. I want to bring it back so everyone can kind of see. Some of you aren't going to be see because of the glare. That's okay. Uh, so this is what I want us to do. Give me a few qualities. What are, what are some qualities of your top three that make them good friends? Just shout them out. Trustworthy. Okay, don't shout them out. I didn't hear all that. So trust is one of them. Good looking. Don't judge my handwriting either. Good looking. That's a little shallow to me, but that's okay. Loyalty. That's a good one. I feel like Jimmy Fallon. Honest. Honest. Sense of humor. Make me food. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Respect. Uh, listener, can't forget listener because that's a good one. Makes me cool. Cool. As you get lower, you'll notice my writing gets really garbage-like. Fun, that's a good one. A leader. A what? A leader. I heard a wiener. Smells like Fiji. Clarity is king, mind you. Okay, so those are some decent ones. We'll leave it at that. Uh, so the next question that I have is those individuals that didn't make your top three. What creates and makes for a bad friend? Drama. Ooh, drama. Drama, drama. You know, that's part of the reason why I love youth ministries, because of all the drama you guys give me. What was that, David? One more time. Flaky, there you go. What else? What makes a bad friend? 
Bad influence. Someone's been reading some notes. Boring. Disrespectful. Lying. They failed kindergarten and didn't share. Cross that out so it's like didn't share, get it. Couple more. Justin. We'll just do this. B.O. Get some D.O. for your B.O. Lying. What do you got? Irresponsible. I have to remember how to spell. I think One or two more. Judgmental? Is that what I just heard? Critical. I don't think there's an E there. Liar, we put lying down. Anything else? Not supportive. So we'll say this, but not. <laughs> One more. What? Bald? That, that's a great friend. I got a lot of great friends that are bald, so. Then there's fighting words. That's it. Fight. Fight. I'm just kidding. Oh, One more time. Obsessed. I, my name. I can't hear you. Self-obsessed. Self oh, I can't spell now. I'm just ignoring you. Okay, so let's look at this. So here's the conversation tonight that we that we want to have. Um, you can use those to write on your music. Um, Here's, here's the thing that, that I think we all need to understand. As we talk about this idea of, of, of the good life, as we talk about tangible realities, we've talked the last several weeks about this idea of our heart, right? And it's out of our heart that everything flows. We talked about words and that words reveal what's in our heart. Uh, we talked last week about choices, right? The choices we make reveal who we know God to be. Today we're talking about this idea of friendship. We're talking a little bit more practically. And so what I have for us tonight is a whole lot of practical application and what it looks like to not just find good friends, but be a good friend. Because Proverbs talks a lot about this topic. On your half sheet, you literally see a bunch of different verses, and that's not all of them. But that's the ones that we're going to highlight tonight. And so one of the things that I'm, I'm asking you to do is as you hear these verses being spoke, uh, they may be on the screen behind me or not. Sometimes we get technical difficulties because Pro Presenter likes to crash. But if it's not, then that means the media team was phenomenal. We should give them a round of applause if it works. If it doesn't, we should give them a round of applause because they still do work hard. Um, but the, the thing that I want us to understand today is that our friends, going to this one thought, like my friends are the greatest influences in my life. And I am the greatest influence in my friend's life. And as we look to this list of two different conversations, we look at this is what it takes to be a good friend. These are the qualities that exist in most good friends. We see this list where it's like these are the, these are the qualities that exist in a lot of bad friends. In other words, these are the people that you unfriend on Facebook because they share too much information. They put a lot of political stuff or whatever. You, I'm unfriending. And the thing about Facebook now is you can unfollow, which is really fun. Because then you technically are unfriending without them knowing, which is deceitful in and of itself. But I just unfriend people when they just get overwhelmingly annoying. And then when they friend request me, and they, I just let them sit there in that friend request section and not address it at all because I don't like conflict. And that's just how it works. Uh, but the challenge is simply this. We have to understand that we have a great influence in our life and it's those who we surround ourselves with. We spent several weeks, we talked several weeks ago uh, about this idea of yoking ourselves with other people. And now the Bible is clear about don't yoke with unchristians, with non-believers, not because 
It's not about reaching them. It has nothing to do with that. It's who we're partnering together in life with. And so I want to take some time today and really ask this question. Because for better or worse, our greatest influence is typically the friends that we have. And if we're going to be honest, I literally can do this and show you that there's a mark that's left on my hand. And oftentimes, this is the story of our lives. Who we surround ourselves with influences us, whether for good or for bad. If we hang out with people that are filled with these bad characteristics, you know what? We're going to start embodying these bad characteristics. If we surround ourselves with people that are in, in the good characteristics, all of a sudden we're going to start seeing that we will be filled with these good characteristics. And so I want to take time today to talk about what the Bible actually says, because I can get up here and give a motivational speech, an inspirational message to challenge you about who you're letting become your friends. And maybe after this, you should go through your Facebook page and purge out. No, I'm not saying any of that. But what I'm saying is it's important for us to understand biblically what a friend truly is. And in order to do that, I think we need to start from a very simple understanding of defining the word friend. Because we all, when I say the word friend, have our own ideas of what a friend is. We define that word by characteristics and we miss a biblical understanding of what the friend and the term really means. So I want to define friend as this, and I'll read it a couple times in case you want to write it down for those of you who take notes because it'll change your life more quickly. I, I, I've defined a friend this way, and it can probably be defined a little bit better, but as I'm processing and praying, this is the easiest way that I could understand it. It's a trustworthy peer with whom you choose to live alongside with common vision for God's call and direction for each other's life. When the Bible talks about friend, it's talking about this idea of coming together Doing life together with the common understanding of God's call and direction for you and them. So when the Bible talks about friend, that's the definition I want us to use. And I'll read it one more time just in case you need it. It says, it's a trustworthy peer with whom you choose to live alongside with a common vision of God's call and direction for each other's life. Because for better or worse, young person, my friends, your friends are the greatest influences in your life, and you are the greatest influences in theirs. So it's with that understanding, that definition and knowledge, I want us to read Proverbs 18, verse 24. We'll take a moment and pray, and then talk through answering a couple questions through Proverbs. It says this, verse 24, one, who has, well, let me stop real quick. Proverbs is an incredible book that's all about wisdom. So there's sometimes little nuggets and little verses that stand on their own, and it's not in the greater context of other stories and passages. So sometimes it's almost like a fortune cookie, like Solomon's like, hey, this would be a good fortune cookie thing, this would be a good fortune cookie, but it's even more impactful and powerful if we can live according to it. So it says this, one who has unreliable friends soon comes to ruin. Awesome. But there is a friend who sticks closer then a brother, let's pray this evening. God, thank you for your word today. Lord, even as we study and, and, and take different ideas through the books of Proverbs, the book of Proverbs, God, I pray that you would help us today hear you clearly. God, help us to discern, help us to know what you're speaking to our hearts. And God, even in this context of friends, God, I pray that you would give us courage to make bold choices, to honor you and live for you above everything else. God, even where it gets difficult, 
God, even where we know that if we cut this person out or we stop becoming and being so closely tied to them that we're going to become lonely. God, I pray that you would not only reveal to us those who are in our lives that are the good friends, but God, also the ones that are not the best influence. And God, that you would give us courage to follow and trust in your provision for our lives because you work in all things, God, that nothing is wasted. So thank you for today. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. The contrast of this verse could not be stronger. Unreliable friends equals ruin. I think there's many of us in this room that can relate to that. There's some friends that we thought were quote-unquote friends, but they've led to my ruin. There's been a moment of complete and utter brokenness, desperation, of complete and utter loneliness or despair where we're so overwhelmed and hurt and offended, all of a sudden everything falls apart. Unreliable friends brings ruin. Who are your friends? As you process tonight, as you think through some of these questions, I want you to think through that. The reliable friends bring life. Unreliable friends bring death. Are you built up and encouraged by your friends or are you torn down and always ruined by your friends? Are you the one tearing your friends down or are you the one building your friends up? Because the application is twofold. Who are you surrounding yourself with? Are you being a good friend to those you're around? Twofold application, simply that. Reliable friends bring life. Unreliable bring ruin. Who are your friends? See, as we talk about this heavy application side of things, there's two questions I want to answer tonight. The first one is, how do I choose better friends? Some of you have really good friends. I'm not saying you should choose better I'm saying you should put their friends up against the test of is this biblically the best friend possible? And on the flip side, how can I become a better friend? Am I being the best friend, biblically speaking? It says this, to answer this first question, how do I choose better friends? Here's some ideas of friends you don't want, as Proverbs tells us. You don't want those who gossip and talk a lot. Proverbs 20 verse 19 says this, a gossip betrays a confidence, so avoid anyone who talks too much. Hello. A gossip betrays a confidence. In other words, a gossip will betray you, period. If you've been betrayed by someone who talks too much, you know what the Bible's telling you? Avoid them. Peace. It's been not fun. Never again. Wise people, this is incredible. You want to know the idea of gossip? See, here's the thing I think we get confused. Well, I'm not really talking about them. It's not gossip. This is what gossip is. Wise people talk about ideas. Foolish people talk about people. Think about that for a second. The moment you start talking about someone when they're not around, it's all of a sudden turning into gossip. Well, I'm just, I'm just, you can rationalize all you want. This is literally something God rips me apart every day of my life. I love you. Stupid. Wise people talk about ideas. Foolish people talk about people. That in and of itself will change your life. Some of us just need to learn to learn that as kids. Throw away the key. You don't want friends who are gossip and talk a lot. You don't want friends. Well, if you if you have a friend who talks only about themselves or other people, it might not be wise to call them a friend. Second thing is those who get angry easily. Anybody know? Don't nudge anybody. 
Those who get angry easily. Proverbs 22, 24 to 25 says this. Do not make friends with a hot-tempered person. Do not associate with one easily angered, or you may learn their ways and get yourself ensnared. This includes people who are quick to defend or blows up quickly and those that stir up drama. I don't know if you know anybody that when someone says something to them, says, whoa, 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 well, this is why. You need to stop. There's something about that that isn't healthy. We want healthy friends, so don't always become friends with those who are always easily angered. Here's the qualifier. If we're all going to be real for a moment, these things I struggle with. I get really defensive sometimes. There's moments where I get really hot-tempered and I'm just like, I'm so much wanting to swear right now. I'm not talking about the momentary things. I'm talking about the people who are always this way. Where you can't critique or offer any kind of criticism. You can't say, hey, you did this. I was a little bit offended. Well, that's not my problem. You're offended. I'm talking about those who are always on fuse, ready to blow at any moment. Because we all struggle with these. We're human. God wants to redeem us. But maybe we shouldn't surround ourselves with people who are always doing these things. God doesn't want you to have friends that are always doing that because those are destructive. And the Bible says in the New Living Translation that you will endanger your soul if you surround yourself with people like that. Those who are hot-tempered, quick to defend themselves. Stirs up drama. Here's the other side too, is if you're thinking like, is that me? It's probably a pretty good indication it's not really you. You may struggle with it, but it probably doesn't really define you. If you're sitting there like, that's not me, shoot. You might want to search your heart a little bit and let the Holy Spirit soften you. Some of you are ready to get up and leave. That's okay. Friends you don't want, number three, those who aren't following Christ. We talked about this a while ago. Proverbs 24, 21 to 22 says, Fear the Lord and King, my son, and do not join with rebellious officials for those to send sudden destruction on them. And who knows what calamities they can bring. Here's the challenge. If you notice, he says, the Lord and king. When this was written, the king was the highest authority next to God. And Solomon is literally saying, you, you should not associate with those who disrespect authority that God has given and disrespect God. In other words, we don't have a king in this country, but you know what we do have? President. You know what we do have? Principals of a school. You know what we do have? Moms and dads. You know what we do have? Police officers. You know what we do have? We have people that have been placed in authority that we are called to honor and respect. If you are surrounding yourself with people who are always disrespectful, rude, wanting to pick fights or talk bad about authorities that you've been given in your life, teachers, mind you, you might not want to associate with them. Because the Bible is very clear that you will then become corrupt like them. See, what I'm not talking about is I'm not saying you shouldn't try to reach out to them. I'm not saying you shouldn't try and, and witness to them and love them as Jesus loves you and me. I'm saying you should not partner with them in life. One of the verses we'll read soon is this idea of as iron sharpens iron, so one man sharpens another. It's talking about a partnership, a life journey together. Going back to the friend, it's people you choose to trust in with the common vision of God's call and direction on each other's life. Proverbs is reminding us, don't let those carry influence in your life. An easy way of picturing this, if you will, is standing on a chair 
I'm going to steal this chair for a second and show you what I mean by this. It's okay, I got people to clean that up. So I was like, what? So imagine for me, if you will, or imagine with me for a second. This is your life. Timmy, come here. Imagine you are trying to live for God. You're honoring God. You're trying to do everything you can. And Timmy doesn't know Jesus. But the goal is, you'll get to know Jesus soon. But the goal is, if I were to take his hand and say, Timmy, the goal is simply this. I'm going to pull you up or you're going to pull me down. The goal is to see who wins. Okay? On the count of three. Ready? One, two, three. You know what happens nine times out of ten? Stupid statistic doesn't really count. The majority of times, the individual pulling from below will always pull the individual down. You will rarely be able to pull them up on the chair with you. In the same sense, Proverbs is reminding us, this is your life, young person. Be very careful with who you surround yourself with. Rather than finding people to pull you down, maybe you should find people to hold you up here. Because life isn't easy. You know what the Bible also says? We're created for community. We're not meant to do life alone. So who are your friends? Who are you surrounding yourself with? Are they pulling you down? Or are they helping you stand up? Because who you surround yourself with, your friends are the greatest influencers in your life. And you have the choice of whether they are your friends or not. The choice is simply yours. If your friends are causing you to come away from God's call and direction, you should find new friends. But what if I'm lonely? What if there's no one around? God provides. Sometimes it's through a group like this. Sometimes it's through getting plugged into a life group. I cannot tell you enough how important life groups are for teens and young people and adults because I don't do life alone because I have people I do life with every week. And you know what happens? When life gets tough, what's the two things you reach for? God, where are you? Hence the message on Wednesdays and Sundays, theology, Bible. And who's with me? Where are my friends at? Community. The first two things you will reach for oftentimes is questioning God. Where are you? And when we stay rooted in God's word, he reveals his faithfulness, his grace, his provision. And he oftentimes do, does that by surrounding you with people to help hold you up in the chair when you want to step down. Life is not easy to do alone. But too often we allow ourselves to do it alone. The final thing that you probably don't want, actually there's two more after this, sorry. Is those that are liars, untrustworthy, and inconsiderate. I want to read you this proverb out of the New Living Translation. says this. Telling lies about others is, sorry, Proverbs 18, or 25, 18 to 20. Telling lies about others is as harmful as hitting them with an axe, wounding them with a sword, or shooting them with a sharp arrow. Putting confidence in an unreliable person in times of trouble is like chewing with a broken tooth. Anybody ever done that? Doesn't feel good. Or walking with a lame foot. In other words, your foot doesn't work, and you're trying to walk. Good luck with that one. Singing cheerful songs to a person with a heavy heart is like taking someone's coat in cold weather. Anybody ever not have a coat in cold weather? Somebody who's not that cold, go to Antarctica without a coat. That's the image the Solomon is trying to get you to understand. When you sing to someone whose heart is heavy, you're literally taking their coat from them in the middle of Antarctica or pouring vinegar in a wound. 
Here's the, here's the crazy thing about this whole vinegar in a wound thing. I actually had to Google this because I was like, does that really happen? It hurts like nobody's business. But you know what it also does? It brings healing pretty quickly. But what Solomon is telling us in this proverb is he's saying, when you sing songs to a heavy heart, you're not helping them out in the moment. It may bring healing and you may have a perspective that says, oh, it's okay, everything's going to be all right. You'll get out of this season, don't worry about it. You know what the problem is? They can't understand that in the moment and we're called to bear one another's burdens. We shouldn't be friends with those who are liars. Why? Because it's like we're getting beat with an axe. That's a great image right there. Hey, I love you, but you're an idiot. It doesn't work that way. Fifth thing is you don't want to be friends with those who make fun of others. Some of you are just like, well, this is subject, whatever. Proverbs 14.6 says, A mocker seeks wisdom but never finds it. But knowledge comes easily to those who with understanding. People that make fun of others reveal their foolishness. And that as much as they may search for wisdom, the Bible is very clear, they will never find it. The ultimate goal of our life is to become better, not to be the same. Here's the, here's the thing. I used to make fun of other people all the time. You know what? I was pretty stupid. The Bible is very clear with those who mock others will never find wisdom. The final thing is this, those that tempt you to sin. Proverbs 1.10 says, my child of sinners entice you, turn your back on them, period. The image is simply this, you're enticing me, see you later. He's not just saying like, turn your back until they're done trying to tempt you. He says, turn your back, get away, remove them from your life completely to where they're not even in your peripherals. Because there's no moms in this room except one and they're the ones that have eyes, or two, there's ones, and they have the eyes in the back of the head. They're just gifted that way, right? Little whatever, Carrie's getting up on a counter when Miss Andrea said no cookies, and she's trying to jack a cookie, and all of a sudden she's going to have to look, and she knows exactly what Carrie's doing. And I'm just prophesying, no big deal. This happens, and it probably is going to happen tonight. Just be ready, Andrea. Because um, Carrie still climbs on the counter for cookies. Who doesn't? Unless you're tall enough, I just reach. Um, But those that tempt you to sin, he's literally saying, turn your back and get away. Don't even associate with them anymore. Just walk the other way. Are your friends so important that you're willing to risk your life and walk with Jesus for them? Think about that. Some of you have really close friends right now that you should be turning your back on. Are you willing to risk your relationship with Jesus by keeping them as your friends. Well, they won't understand. You're right, they won't understand if they're trying to tempt you to sin. But there's choices that have to be made sometimes so we can experience God's best in our lives, so we can experience the good life. Here's what you do want as friends, those who want to make you a better follower of Jesus. Proverbs 27, 17 says this, is iron sharpens iron, so one person sharpens another. Another translation says, so one friend sharpens another. You want friends that will help you make a better follower of Jesus. Our gauge for how we're doing with Christ is the fruit of the Spirit out of Galatians 6. Love, joy, peace, patience, goodness, kindness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Are your friends helping you experience more patience? Are your friends helping you experience more self-control over sin? Are your friends helping you become better? The second thing, those that are loyal, was one of the words we put down. Friend loves at all times, and a brother is born for a time of adversity. Do 
Do your friends stick by you in the good and even more so in the bad? You want friends like that. Those that show wisdom through their actions. Proverbs 13, 20. Walk with the wise and become wise, for a companion of fools suffers harm. Are your, are your friends wise in the choices they make? The way they act? Or do they do stupid things? Do they throw temper tantrums? Or they don't get their way? Do they blame everyone else and complain about how bad the teacher was and that's why they failed their test when they just stayed up partying and playing video games too late? You're on friends that whose life and speech is grace-giving. Proverbs 22, 11 says, the one who loves with a pure heart and who speaks with grace will have a king for a friend. Think about that. Will have the king for a friend. Phenomenal picture. The second question I want to answer very quickly is simply this. How to, how to become a better friend. Young person, maybe you're here tonight and you're just like, man, I really want good friends in my life. It starts with you becoming a good friend. It starts with you understanding God's picture of friendship as one that honors God, the one that has common in vision and purpose, is one that is willing to pursue Jesus above all things and help others pursue Jesus too. So instead of being pulled down from your chair, you're actually pulling people up to that chair. You want better friends? Become a better friend first. So how do you become a better friend? You forgive. Proverbs 17, 9 through 11 says this, you will keep your friends if you forgive them, but you will lose your friends if you keep talking about what they did wrong. You will keep your friends if you forgive them. See, unforgiveness always leads to unfruitfulness in our lives. It's a phenomenal picture. There's some of us in this room that we've yet to forgive and move on and let move on. And we wonder why our relationship with God is stale, is dry, is dying, or is non-existent. Check your heart first. It's no one else's fault. We all hit seasons of unforgiveness. I went a year and a half in my life not forgiving someone because something happened. And I wasn't willing to take the blame and ownership of it. We talked about choices last week if you own your choices. If you get into stupid arguments, stop getting into stupid arguments. Starting a quarrel is like breaching a dam. So drop the manner before a dispute breaks out. Jesus says in Matthew 5, blessed are the peacemakers. So you'll be blessed when your friendships you keep peace. Proverbs 26, 17 also says, interfering in someone else's argument is as foolish as yanking a dog's ears. It's not playful. Dogs hate it. Don't do it. Even as their puppies, they'll bite you. Stop talking about people behind their back. Proverbs 26, 20 to 21 says this. Fire goes out without wood. And quarrels disappear when gossip stops. Catch that. Fire dies when there's no more wood. Quarrels stop when gossip ends. A quarrelsome person starts fights as easily as hot embers light charcoal or fire lights wood. Talking about people always explode in your face like wood soaked with gasoline. But talking to people is like pouring water on a smoldering fire to put it out. And it's not like, well, I'm talking to so-and-so about so-and-so. It's talking to so-and-so about the individual. Hey, you did this and it really hurt and offended me. Hey, you did this and I'm really bothered by that. Hey, you really said this and I'm, I cried myself to sleep. Talk to people, not about them. 
How do you keep friends? How do you become a better friend? Stop lying. Proverbs 26, 18 says, just as damaging as a madman, shooting a deadly weapon is someone who lies to a friend. Have you lied to someone and broke their trust? And you're still trying to rebuild it? Lying is irreversible at times. A few more thoughts. Be quick to listen and slow to speak. Proverbs 18.13 says, A hot-tempered person starts fights, but a cool-tempered person stops them. Too often times we get defensive. Too often times we get reactionary. Proverbs reminds us, Calm down. <coughs> Listen to what's being spoken before you ever speak. I'm the greatest offender at this. I want to speak before I listen fully. Some of you have even experienced this, not because I'm mad, but because I'm trying to answer the question that's not been asked yet. I'm asking God to get better, so be patient. I'm broken. <laughs> speak gently. Proverbs 15.1 says, A gentle answer deflects anger, but harsh words make tempers flare. In other words, be nice. Please, be quick to show love. Proverbs 3, 3, never let love and kindness leave you. Tie them around your neck as a reminder. Write them deep within your heart. Then you will find favor with both God and people, and you will earn a good reputation. Be quick to, to show love. The final one is this, make Christ number one. Proverbs 16, 7 says this, when people's lives please the Lord, even their enemies are at peace with them. Phenomenal picture, if you will. When people's lives please the Lord, their enemies are at peace with him. When, Christ sees, when we see Christ clearly, we follow him closely. Young person, your friends are the greatest influences in your life. And you are their greatest influence. So my question becomes tonight, how are you doing? If you're anything like me, I was a little beat up when I read this. It's a little bit discouraged. I realize, man, I need to be a better friend to my friends. I need to be a little bit more patient, a little bit more willing to pursue Jesus and push them to pursue Jesus. But the question that follows up with that is who is in your life right now that might need to be removed for a time? This doesn't mean you shut them down completely. What it means is you surround yourself with people who are willing to help you stay in that chair, not try and pull you down. It's a hard choice, but you have to be willing to make it. The final thought is this, follow Christ as closely as you can to be the best friend you possibly can. See, Jesus says in John 15, this is such an incredible statement. And with this, I'm gonna close in prayer and then we'll just dismiss because I think it's important that we have time to process and take a lot of food for thought. But again, Proverbs 18.24 says this, one who has unreliable friends soon comes to ruin. But there's a friend who sticks closer than a brother. John 15, 13 and 15 says this, there's no greater love than to lay one's, down, one's life down for friends. No greater love. And Jesus then says this to his disciples, those who are closest to him, I no longer call you slaves, or another translation says servants. Why? Because a master doesn't confide in his slaves. Now you are my friends since I have told you everything the Father told me. I want you to picture this because Jesus chose who his friends were. 
and both have the power to choose who our friends are. And oftentimes, if you look at the life of Jesus, he didn't pick the glamorous, he didn't pick the popular, he didn't pick the people that everyone would look to. He picked the people that were trustworthy, were good-looking. Not really, some of them weren't that good-looking, but that's a shout-out to Timmy, I guess. Who were loyal, who were honest, who were supportive, who had his back, who in all things, they, they never turned away except at the end when the prophecy had to be fulfilled. See, Jesus chose who to confide in, just as you and I have the choice of who we surround ourselves with. So my question is, who are you surrounding yourself with? And the follow-up is, are you a friend worth surrounding someone? Are you one that's going to hold them up in that chair? Or pull them down? Where do you find yourself? God, I thank you that you love us, Lord, that you're gracious to us, Lord, that you're patient, that you want nothing but the best.